You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I am your host, Harry Simiou, and despite it being an international break, we've got a jam-packed show for you. I am joined by author Chris Athanasi to talk about his brand new book, All Roads Lead to Arsenal. We'll be discussing that in detail. We'll be talking about Matteo Guendouzi's recent comments. We'll be touching on Mesa Ozil. Was Mikel Arteta right in the end to kick him out of the club the way he did? And also going to be reacting to some heat I got on Twitter from people telling me that Bounty is the worst chocolate in celebrations. Absolute nonsense. But we're going to have all of those discussions right here on the show. Uh, as I said, joined by Chris Athanasi, author of All Roads Lead to Arsenal. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good afternoon, Harry. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm really good. Really, really good. But a lot more positive now after the last few weeks. Yeah, I can imagine. I think we're all feeling like that, Chris. We're all feeling yeah. energised and revitalised about the way things are going at the moment. Um, we're going to talk about Chris's book and then we're going to get some of Chris's thoughts on the current situation at Arsenal. We'll talk a little bit about the Gwenduzi comments, Mesut Ozil, etc, etc. Uh, but let's start off with the most important part and that is this brand new cracking book uh, from Chris, All Roads Lead to the Arsenal. And stay tuned because throughout the show, we're going to be letting you know how you can win uh, a copy. Chris has kindly offered uh, to send out a couple of signed copies uh, to some of our lucky winners. So, um, first of all, Chris, tell us about the book. How did it come about and what can people expect from it um, when they have a read? The, the, the book is basically not just about what well, it is about Arsenal primarily, but it is a book about the passion that football supporters have throughout the world and the dedication that they go through to follow their team. About 15 years ago, I went to New York with my family on holiday. And of course, while you're away, you want to catch up on a game. So I looked up a best place to go and watch a game. And they said there was a pub called Nevada Smith's in New York. So of course, three o'clock kickoff over here is a five, sorry, 10.30 or 10 o'clock kickoff in New York. So I was expecting to see a couple of maybe local uh, New Yorkers and some expats just propping up a bar. I was I was blown away with what I did actually find. It was rammed. I mean, when I say rammed, it was almost like standing on the old terraces. And the passion and the knowledge these guys had would just blew me away. And I thought, this, this is mental. I mean, when I'm at the game, I don't feel some of that um, passion that these guys had. So it got me to thinking, and on flight back, I thought, well, hold on, if these guys in New York are doing this, how many other supporters groups around the world? Put it on a sort of almost like a back burner. And then uh, the mid, what we call it now, mid one zeros, mid tens, <laughs> when we had the cup wins against uh, Hull and uh, Aston Villa and Chelsea, Arsenal posted quite a few videos of supporters clubs throughout the world, from Mumbai to Adelaide and Dubai, everywhere. And it got me thinking, well, if these guys are doing it just for cup finals, are they doing it on a regular basis? So I started researching, I started looking into it, and I realised there are supporters, official supporters clubs, but there are hundreds, if not thousands, of unofficial supporters clubs and supporters who go to huge extremes to follow our club. 
So I started sending out requests and I started getting some amazing stories back from places you wouldn't even imagine, from Bhutan and Malaysia, Mauritius and uh, Ecuador, New Guinea and uh, Trinidad and Tobago. But really, really quite heartwarming stories as well, not just about following the club, but the uh, connection they have with fellow supporters in that country. Collated it, put it through together. It took about two or three years, and that's what books come out. It's all, all roads lead to the Arsenal. It is a brilliant book, and and as I say, you know, it, a lot of work and love has gone into this, and you can see. It, and there are lots and lots of those heartwarming stories that that Chris talks about. There's some great photos in there as well uh, from all across the kind of different Arsenal fan clubs across the world. And and I think you you make a great point, Chris. It is really important that people appreciate the lengths that our foreign supporters go to yeah. because it's not, you know, I'm not saying it's easy to follow the Arsenal. It's never easy, is it? Because we have so many uh, difficult moments and it does take a lot of your time up. But I'm always amazed by how many people wake up at the crack of dawn or, or wake up in the middle of the night to watch a game of football and, and just don't complain about it and just get on with it because it's done out of pure yeah. love and passion for the yeah. club. Um, so you said that you thought about this a few years back. How long would you say the whole process took from start to finish? From start to finish, I'd say about three and a half, four years. Um, I started collating the stories. You get very good stories. You get some which are literally just one or two two line answers. I wanted to find something which was had some body in it as well. Um, and these guys really do go to some lengths. I mean, going to football in the 70s, I used to walk to the ground and there were coaches with um, flags on the back saying Norfolk Gunners and uh, Scotland Gunners. And there was also Norwegian Gunners and Swedish Gunners. I never gave it much thought. But when you think about it, those guys from Norway and Sweden are not just rocking up uh, at the morning of the game. There's a two or three days in advance, if not weeks in advance of preparation to get to the game. I used, I mean, I grew up in Camden, as you know, Harry, that's the next borough into Islington. And I felt this, I, I didn't feel connected to the club because I was in the following borough. I wanted to live in Islington. And when we moved to Barnet, I used to lie to my friends and say, oh yeah, I was born in Islington because I wanted people to think, <laughs> oh, you must be a real gunner or a real gooner if you're living in that borough. But, you know, after a while, I'm thinking to myself, what is dedication? Is dedication, you know, leaving for the ground at one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and get home at six or seven? Or is it, as you say, getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning, getting the A train into New York or traveling into Melbourne at three o'clock in the morning to watch a game? And you know what? There's no difference. If you are willing to go to those extremes to follow the club, then you have a passion the same as anybody else. Yeah, I would even argue that those guys, you know, that they do more. It's yeah. more, you know, it's we do the the phone in sometimes on, on this channel and, and sometimes we do it at 9, 10 p.m. UK time. And you'll be amazed how many people I talk to and I say, where are you in the world? And they'll tell me somewhere a million miles away and I'll ask them what time it is. And they'll tell me it's 2, 3 a.m. And you're here not just consuming the actual Arsenal, but you're consuming Arsenal content. Uh, at that time of the morning, which says, yeah. you know, a lot about how dedicated these people are. Exactly. So agree with you, you know, and it's a fantastic idea. It's a fantastic concept. And reading through it, 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 it puts a smile on your face. You know, you sit there and you read it and you smile um, at just how much this club means to people. And I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and, and I've been in this, this position, Chris, because I've written a book as well, and I, I've done it a few years ago now. When I set out to do it, I thought it was going to be a lot simpler than it turned out to be. 
Um, and I hit a lot of roadblocks and I had days where I sat down to write and my mind was blank and I'd get frustrated. I'd get irritated. I came very close to smashing the laptop yep. uh, on numerous occasions. And in the end, I, I learned towards the end of the process to just, if it wasn't happening on that day or that particular hour, just take myself away from it and come back later. Um, what were some of the challenges that, that you found in putting this together? Well, you, you, whenever you start any any project like this, here we go, it's that project word. When you start any project, you start with a load of enthusiasm and the first few months, even the first year, you're really, really dedicated to what you're doing. And then oh, something comes up, oh, I'll leave it for a week. And then that week becomes a month or it comes six months. And then you forget and then you pick it back up again. So, yeah, the book took three and a half to four years. Maybe if I was more dedicated, it could have come out a lot quicker. But it's, this was a passion of love. It was never about making money. It was never about, you know, anything else. It was just purely a passion of love. And I wanted to get the passion of the supporters and make it a positive book. You know, we've had a lot of downers over the last few years as Arsenal supporters, but I wanted to bring, bring a book out which had positivity and showed our club in the good light. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, lots of you in the live chat box at the moment. Let us know where it is that you're tuning in from, because I can see lots of you telling us it's 8 a.m., it's 7 a.m., depending on where you are. So uh, let us know your locations in the chat box and we'll come back to a few more uh, of those a little bit later on. Um, how can people get hold of this, Chris? Where can people order it? Where can people uh, purchase it? How can people do it? Right. I've, I've, I've only printed a limited edition of 200. Um, they can be purchased via me. Uh, I've got a Twitter account. It's uh, at teabag61. Instagram is uh, chris underscore ath, A-T-H-61. And if you want to send a Gmail, it's all roads lead to the arsenal at gmail.com. And then I'll sign you a copy and send it out. It's just uh, $9.99 plus post and package. And stuff, and I'll just pop that email address on the screen uh, for those of you that want to uh, have a look at the book, want to order the book. Let me just bring that up nice and big for everyone uh, who wishes to find it. So, uh, if you want to get your copy of All Roads Lead to the Arsenal, a fantastic collection of stories all about people supporting the Arsenal from all over the world, then you can do so by emailing Chris at allroadsleadtothearsenal at gmail.com. We'll make sure that email's in the description of this episode as well as Chris's Twitter handle uh, so that you can get involved. If you've got any questions for Chris, pop them in the chat box and we'll come back to those in a few minutes' time. Uh, we're also going to give away a couple of copies. Uh, Chris, you've got a question that you want to put to the listeners. Yeah, um, yeah. It it's that, not going to be an easy question. They're going to have to do their research. Go for I, it. I went to my first game on the 3rd of October, 1970. We beat uh, Nottingham Forest 4-0. And a couple of weeks later, we played uh, Everton. And I think we beat them either 4-0 or 4-1. Now, there is something that links the two away teams on that day. And I'll give you another clue that goes with it. The same thing can't happen now in October. Okay, repeat that one more time for our listeners. Okay. Uh, first game I went to, October the 3rd, 1970, we played Everton, uh, Nottingham Forest, we won 4-0. A couple of weeks later, we played Everton and won 4-1. There is something that links the two teams, the two away teams that we played. And that coincidence cannot happen again in October. It's got you thinking, Harry, isn't it? Yeah, it's got my, my, my <laughs> mind's going here. I'm sitting here. 
Um, I can't win a copy for, for the record, so I'm not involved in this, but I will try and think of the answer because it's going to bother me all day now. Um, so, look, if you want to get involved in the competition, tweet your answers to at Chronicles underscore AFC, and Chris will select a couple of winners from those who provide the correct answer. That's at Chronicles underscore AFC. You'll see it rolling across the bottom of your screen. And just a quick reminder that if you want to order a copy of All Roads Lead to the Arsenal, you can do so by contacting uh, Chris, the author, directly at allroadsleadtothearsenal at gmail.com. In the meantime, we're going to come back to talking a little bit about the book. We're going to come back to your answers on the questions. Let's see where some of you are joining us from at the moment. And this will just highlight uh, to Chris, uh, who's joining us for the first time, uh, exactly how far and wide our audience is. We've got Omar, uh, who's joining us from Nairobi. It's 4 p.m. there. We've got Mark in Bermuda. Uh, Bax is in Brisbane. We've got uh, Arsenal Granny in Mossing. Every time I see that Arsenal Granny, it cracks me up. It's a great screen name. Uh, we've got BX Gunner, who's in Charlotte. We've got Taz, who's in Birmingham. Uh, Chris is in Saskatoon, Canada. Uh, after the show begins, he after the show he begins the drive to Edmonton, Alberta, five hours or so, and wow. he's going to go and watch the uh, red and white Canada side, Canada side, I should say. Uh, match lots of Gooners uh, going to that tonight, apparently as well. We've got Kamar in New York, Manhattan. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Pat is also in Canada. Lots of Canadians with us today. Uh, we've got Mr. Rads in Cumbria, Northern England. Might as well be a different country, he says. Uh, <laughs> we've got Cheboy also in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Spornix joins us from Puerto Rico, nine o'clock there. Wow. Um, lots of different places. We've Lots of Nairobi, Kenya, lots of Canada today. Matt says London. Sorry, it's not very exciting. Look. Matt, we're in London. Don't worry about it, mate. There's nothing wrong with London. We've got Jamaica. We've got Leighton Buzzard. <laughs> uh, Dublin, Connecticut, West London, Seoul in Korea, Ohio. Um, wow. Wow. People everywhere, which backs up Chris's point and why he was so right to write this excellent and fantastic book. So do check it out. I must tell you about some of the stories in the book. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on a couple. I mean, there was a... Um, a, a chap in um, Australia, in Melbourne, he had emigrated from Malaysia, uh, moved to Melbourne to find work. His family were poor. He, he needed to find work. So he, he emigrated to Australia. He had nobody. He had no friends, no family, nothing. What he did have was a love for Arsenal. So he used to go to a local bar to watch games, sit on his own. And it was the, the local Arsenal supporters watching games as well. And then slowly, after a few weeks, they, they noticed him, got chatting. And before he knew it, they befriended him and found him a job. Any of the uh, um, annual holidays, they made sure that he was never left, left on his own. And I just think that's how um, football brings people together. Whether you're a supporter of uh, Chelsea, West Ham, Celtic, Newcastle, if you find somebody of a kindred spirit, you tend to befriend them. Um, and stories like that were really, really quite touching for me. The guys in Trinidad and Tobago for example, use the Arsenal platform so they go and watch the games together, but then they extend that and they do charity work. They raise money for local children's hospitals, for um, uh, disabled people with wheelchairs. They've uh, raised money for that. And for me, that goes further than just supporting a football club. That just shows the human side. You know, football supporters are often um, given a bad label 
and you know 99.9% of supporters are really, really good human beings. And it's things like that that make you realise that, you know, we all look after each other. And deep down, our supporters are pretty good people. Yeah, I agree with that. I think football fans do get painted with a, you know, a negative outlook sometimes and that can sometimes be as the consequence of, you know, two or three idiots in a stadium, uh, you know, crossing the line, stepping over the line in terms of what's acceptable and what's not. And I think you're right. I think it's important that we shout about the good stories as well as highlight the bad ones, because it feels like particular, particularly media companies are always very quick to home in on the bad guys and don't really, um, you know, bring up the stories like the ones that this book is literally full of. Um, so as I say, make sure you check it out. It's a fantastic read. Um, Chris, while you're here, though, I want to get your thoughts on a, a couple of different um, elements around Arsenal at the moment, a couple of uh, big talking points at the moment. You mentioned, first of all, that you're really pleased with the way things are going at the moment. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of where you are on Mikel Arteta. Have you come around to the idea of him being the manager? Were you always on board? Were you a uh, were you against him? Where have you? Where were you, and where are you now? I've always been a glass half full type of guy. Listen, <laughs> I I was I was still supporting Emery when he was walking out the door. I hate criticising anything to do with Arsenal. Yes, I've had my doubts about Arteta. Um, some of his man management skills, I feel, are questionable. But I think he's learning the same way as as the team are learning, and he's growing in that position. I've, I've got. I, I'm quite confident in Arteta. Um, I think he's the purchases that him and um, Edu have done over the summer remind me of Arsenal in the mid '80s when we had a lot of high-paid players: uh, Charlie Nicholas, Tony Woodcock, Paul Mariner, those sort of guys. Brian Talbot and George Graham came in, got rid of those guys, and brought in younger, hungrier players. He brought in Bold and Winterburn and Dixon and Alan Smith, and the same thing. I, I see the same pattern happening now. The purchases that we made this summer are guys who haven't really won anything, you know, and they want to win. They're winners. You can see it in their eyes. They may not all work. You know, we bought six players. It'll be a huge, huge thing if all six of them actually uh, succeed. But if four do, or even five, that's brilliant. But we're going in a direction that we didn't have before. We're not just buying run-of-the-mill, no, no disrespect to the Williams of this world, but players that have done it before, they don't have that desire, that passion anymore to fight for everything. And the last few games have given me even more confidence. I, I feel that we're definitely going in the right direction now. Yeah, I think so too. It feels like there is at least a plan and, and we don't know if that plan is going to work. It's impossible to say that until you know we give it a bit more time. But I think just having a plan, in comparison to what felt like just trying to plug holes all the time in recent seasons is obviously something that we can take huge encouragement from. Um, one of the stories that I do want to talk about today is, is of course, involving Matteo Guendouzi. Now, I put a tweet out last night because his recent comments seem to have really sparked the debate again amongst the Arsenal fan base. Matteo Guendouzi has, has said that he wants to stay at Marseille. He said that, you know, he's happy there and he's fully focused Let on Marseille. Stay. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't understand why to so many these comments have come as a massive surprise. He, he was never coming back to Arsenal. Yeah. Do you think that Mikel Arteta got it right with Matteo Guendouzi yeah. in terms 100%. of moving him on? 100%. The guy's character was not the type of person that, A, we want at Arsenal, but B, the type of player and character that Mikel Arteta wanted. 
I think he saw him as a bit of a bad apple. Um, he used to wind players up, you know, and you don't need that. You need people to be pulling in the right direction. You don't need some prima donna thinking that they've already a superstar before they've even reached that level. So, yeah, out him. Get him out. Get him out of the club. Don't need him. Yeah, and the, the nature of the deal that we have with Marseille, and, and again, this wasn't officially reported, but from what a lot of us were told was that there was a, um, you know, they, they were going to buy him, but people talked about it being an obligation to buy, mm. uh, sorry, an option for Marseille to purchase the player at the end of the season. But actually, there's some clauses in it that turn it into an obligation, and those clauses are quite easily going to be triggered, is is the rumour. So I, 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 I thought it was always an obligation to buy. No, so uh, the official word was that it was a purchase. Uh, sorry, mixing up my words. The official word was that it was an option for Marseille to purchase the player. But um, through the grapevine and few, uh, through various reports that we've we've had kind of leaked to, to the media and, and to various journalists, it seems that it was an obligation, uh, again, I'm mixing it up, an option immediately or initially, but with a few clauses in the contract that would lead to it becoming an obligation for Marseille to purchase the player. And there were some triggers in there that are going to be quite easily met. Therefore, it is going to end up being an obligation. So he's not coming back. He never was coming back. And I'm finding all this Gwendouzi talk from our fan base a little bit tedious because it it is one that, in my opinion, was always settled, always done and dusted. And and we're going to say goodbye to him. And I mean, I don't know about you, Chris. There is a small part of me, though, that, that feels a little bit bad about it because there is some potential there. But if the player himself, if his head's not right, then... It's unfair to expect Mikel Arteta to invest time and effort in trying to put that right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the guy could potentially be a great, but he also could potentially go down the other way and just be a nuisance and keep getting uh, dropped or booked or sent off every week. What will be interesting to see is how much we eventually get for him. Because has his stock risen or has it fallen over the last couple of years? Personally, I don't think it's got any higher or lower. If we get 14... 20 million, I'll snap their arm off straight away. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, completely agree. Uh, moving on a little bit, let's talk a little bit about Mesut Ozil, who's uh, another player who almost left the club in a disgraced fashion, if you want to call it that. Uh, the club opting to just let him go in the end and allowing him to join Fenerbahce. And listen, I've got a, I've got to say, at the time when he was at Arsenal and we were really struggling for creativity, I was one of the people saying, how can we be so... Uh, lackluster in the final third? How can we be so, or or be finding it so difficult to break teams down and having this guy who's on an absolute fortune, who clearly has talent, almost rotting in the background? I think what we're seeing now, though, with Mesut Ozil is that actually, again, similarly to the Matteo Guendouzi situation, Mikel Arteta was probably right uh, to isolate him from the team and that it wasn't to do with anything else other than the player's own attitude. Now, just to update those who may be haven't read the story as to what's going on at the moment. Um, the Fenerbahce move was supposed to be Messi's chance to uh, prove people wrong, but he's been a bit part player there this uh, this season. He's only started four of their 12 Turkish Super League games. He's shown signs of pen- petulance, notably after he was an unused substitute against Cassian Passa. He threw his bib uh, towards the coach. Um he was taken off after 66 minutes against Antwerp in the Europa League and again uh, threw a bit of a fit, kicked the bottles away on the side of the pitch. And now Ali Koch, the club's president, has come out and said, 
Ozil wants to play more. Well, from now on, he needs to focus on his game and keep his commercial interests out of it. He needs to think about contributing to Fenerbahce. So even they're not happy with him, Chris. This is, again, a telltale sign, isn't it, that Arteta's initial judgment of the guy's character was, was absolutely spot on. Yeah. I mean, you've you got to feel for Arteta because he's had to deal with some really major incidents with players in his first year and a half, two years as manager. Um, but he's been spot on with both. And also with Socrates, with Mustafi, all of these guys which he's outed have proven to be right. I mean, it's no real surprise that Ozil is not doing well at Fenerbahce. I think his head is elsewhere. Uh, his footballing head at, retired about five or six years ago. Uh, we noticed that in the last year or so of his contract at Arsenal. And uh, it's been proven since he's been transferred or been uh, uh, gone to Turkey. I think he's more doing his foundation work, his charity work, and also his, oh, I don't even call it a clothes line, um, that his, his design line of clothing, which is horrendous. Um, so I think his interests are, are elsewhere. The guy should just call it a day. He doesn't need it for the money. He can just pack up now and just concentrate on other things. Yeah, and and you know, and I think for me as well, when when you look at players like Mesut Ozil who have other interests outside of the game, there are plenty uh, of players like that in that same boat that don't act the way he does. And I don't know if part of it is, or I don't know if part of the way he's acting now is because of what happened at Arsenal. I don't know if there's a bit of a hangover there. I don't, I don't really know, and I don't want to completely dismiss that possibility. But I mean, he's had many opportunities now and I think he did a really good job during his time at Arsenal of selling himself as this kind of uh you know model professional always kind of speaking out against issues that were going on in the world that were non-football related and 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 that's fine you you do that as well you use your platform for that good but the way I think he kind of I think he pulled the wall over a lot of people's eyes in terms of making it seem like it was all the managers fault and all the clubs fault. And when we weren't performing and when we weren't doing well, it was very easy for people, even like me, to say, well, Ozil should be in the side or at least on the bench, at least in and around the group. And now you're looking at it and you're going, well, actually, no. You know, there was obviously an issue here that we weren't seeing from the from the outside. And maybe it's a lesson that we should trust in the club and the manager a little bit more in situations yeah. like this. I mean, I, w I was really optimistic, optimistic when we signed Ozil. I even equated it to the signing of Dennis Bergkamp because when he came in, he was at the top of his game. And I was expecting more signings similar to that to follow through. It didn't, it didn't seem to transpire. Um, we had two or three seasons where he was good, not outstanding. He was good, sometimes very good. But in most cases, he was average. You know, you'd, he'd walk through games, do the occasional little flick, do the occasional little through ball, and everyone think, oh, this is brilliant. But what did he do in the other 88 minutes or 87 minutes? Not enough. Um, and I think he, when he signed with that magic pen that sucked out all the uh, talent in him, similar to the one that Aubameyang signed last year, but we seem to have thrown it away and found another one. Um, yeah, I think Ozil's time, he should just retire so people remember him for the good things and not what's happened in the last two or three years. Yeah, it's been a, a really strange demise, isn't it? And, and a yep. really strange decline. And I think the fact that so much of it seems to now be of his own making just leaves you as a football purist, if you like, feeling frustrated <laughs> because we know that he's so much more. We know that he's an incredible talent, incredibly talented player. So to be where he is is, is obviously disappointing and obviously frustrating. Um, 
we're going to go back to the book in a minute because we're going to give people that question again, the question from which they can uh, potentially win a copy of the book. Don't forget uh, when Chris does ask the question, which I'm still thinking about, by the way, uh, you need to tweet your answers to at Chronicles underscore AFC on Twitter. And uh, we'll be passing all the answers on to Chris for judgment. And then he can pick the winners uh, as well. Um, but before we do that, a little bit off topic, and it is the international break, so we have to talk about something different as well. If you're going to um, say bounty bars, that's the food yes. of the devil. It's a food we, of the devil. We have to we <laughs> have to respond to this, right? Because I was left shocked by this. I'm the guy, Chris, that opens a celebrations box and eats all the bounties. And when I go to people's houses and they put a celebrations box in front of me that's already been half eaten, everyone else is scrambling through, and I'm like, it's just full of bounties. This is incredible. Um, but apparently, according to ITV News, 52% of Brits voted Bounty their least favourite celebrations chocolate in a recent survey. There's 52% uh, of people in Great Britain know what they're talking about. 52% of <laughs> madmen. Uh, but from next year, some customers will be able to exchange Bounty chocolates for more teasers. What is that about? I'm, what are you going to do? Turn up at Tesco's with all your bounties in your hand and say, yeah. can I have more teasers? Mad. Amnesty. Mad. It's an amnesty. There's only one thing worse than a bounty bar, and that's a dark chocolate bounty bar. Yeah, I agree. They're not good. I I'll give you that. No, desiccated, desiccated coconut is, <laughs> is the food of the devil. <laughs> Let's get some thoughts uh, from the live chat box. Is bounty the worst chocolate in a pack of celebrations? Let's have your answers uh in the chat box and we'll come back to some of those in a minute but in the meantime chris uh, just remind us all again uh where we can uh well how they can contact you uh to cut to purchase the book all roads lead to the arsenal you can contact me via twitter at tbag61 via instagram at chris underscore at ath 61 and also gmail all roads lead to the arsenal at gmail.com there you go. Brilliant stuff. And just remind us again of the question, the question from which uh, you could potentially win yourself a signed okay. copy. I'll go through it slowly. On the 3rd of October 1970 was my first game at home to Nottingham Forest and we won 4-0. A couple of weeks later, we played Everton at home and won either 4-0 or 4-1. Now, something connects the two opposition sides the only other clue I will give you is that same connection cannot happen now in October. Okay, so it was Nottingham Forest, did you say the first team? Nottingham Forest was first and then Everton. Right, so Nottingham Forest and Everton. So something connects Nottingham Forest and Everton that can't happen again in October. Yes. Hmm. I think I might have an answer, but I don't want to spoil it. So I'll, okay. I'll send I'll, it to me. I'll send it to you after, just to make sure. Uh, let's get some of your uh, your thoughts on the whole bounty debate. Uh, what have we got? Sea uh, Law says, uh, since they got rid of truffles, I stopped getting celebrations. There you go. An unhappy customer. Uh, BX Gunner says, bounty is a paper towel roll here. Yeah, it is here as well, but it's... <laughs> Uh, a very nice chocolate bar as well. Uh, Thunderboot says he's emailed you, Chris, uh, about the purchase of the book. Thank so, you. Uh, great stuff. And uh, get involved. Get contacting Chris. It's, there's some real heartwarming stories in here. And I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Uh, we wouldn't be promoting it on the Chronicles of Aguna if it wasn't great. So there you go. Uh, that should say it all. Uh, Sko says uh, Maltesers are the best. Sam says uh, Bounty's underrated, in my opinion. Sea Law says Galaxy Caramels. Oh, my. 
Um, Dave Atkinson says, yes, yes, yes. What is the yes, yes, yes about? Uh, are you agreeing with the bounty thing? Are you disagreeing with it? Let me know. Um, and Sam adds that bounty is the Tomiyasu of celebration boxes. Underrated, but reliable. Like it. Like it. Like it. Uh, we've got Sko says, can't get celebrations in Indonesia where I am. Also, and can you believe there's not a single salt and vinegar crisp option? Wow. No salt and vinegar crisps. I don't know how you people live. <laughs> Uh, Nikomo uh, loves a lion bar and uh, Chris Mossing is promoting the book there uh, for you. All roads lead to the Arsenal. Brilliant stuff. Um, right. We are going to leave it there. Um, Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Thank uh, you, really, Harry. really appreciate it. Real pleasure. No, it's been great to have you, mate. Great to have you. And uh, hopefully we can get uh, as many people as possible uh, hitting you up about this fantastic book. Um, it is a must read. You'll certainly enjoy it. There's some, as we keep saying, there's some brilliant stories in there and uh, I'm sure you will love it. So contact Chris. You can email him via all roads lead to the arsenal at gmail.com or in the various other ways that he explained already on the show. Uh, and uh, make sure you get your answers over to at chronicles underscore AFC on Twitter uh, with regards to his question, because I tell you what, uh, it is one that is going to drive me absolutely mad all day. We'll see if I've got the right answer after the show. Who knows? We'll be back very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.